0: Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans, and welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger. With the Barracuda's 4-0 win on the road against Tucson on Wednesday, they have now picked up points in six of their first seven games to start the month of March. The goals were able to win 6-1 on Wednesday over Henderson, so they remain five points ahead of the Barracuda for the final playoff spot in the AHL's Pacific Division. In this episode, we'll recap the last three games with highlights, and we'll chat with Barracuda forward Nick Merkley. On Friday night, the Barracuda kicked off the first of a home and road against the top team in the AHL, the Stockton Heat. After a scoreless opening period, Joachim Blickfeld will get things started with his 18th of the year at 2.07 of the middle frame. Now Blickfeld will guide it along for Kyle Topping, Topping down the right wing, will pull up, try to get away from Gravel. Now he tries to slither under him, does so successfully, skates towards the net, near side, one-timer, Blickfeld scores! Just 17 seconds later though, Emilio Peterson of the Heat would level the score up at 1-1. Chance for the goaltender, Adam Warner, and now a shot from the left side, and the Heat answer back. It beats Sek Amon on the near side, and we're level at 1-1. Then at 4.53, Barracuda forward Evan Weinger would find the back of the net with his ninth of the year to give the Barracuda back their lead. Now Chichek behind his net skates away from Peterson, guides up right wing side. We're tied at 1-1 in the second period. Shevalewski, he's got a man, it's Wanger, makes his way to the net, he scores! A power move by Weiger. But then at 6.05, Jacob Pelche would score to tie the game up at 2 2. At 16.51 of the second period, Artemi Kenyazov would give the Barracuda back their one goal advantage with his fourth of the season. And now D. Simone in his own end. He blew a tire. Turnover forced because of it. Here's a chance. Kenyazov! He scores! Simone blew a tire behind the net John Leonard scooped the puck up he finds Kenyazov entering the zone up by a score of 3-2 heading into the third period Kenyazov would score again his fifth of the year and his first multi-goal effort in the AHL it's Shabalevsky back to center John Leonard thread pass got a match <laughs> Kenyazov, he's got another one, and the Barracuda take a 4-2 lead. But at 524, Mark Simpson would cut the lead back down to one before John Leonard would find the back of the net at 6'11 on the power play to push the advantage back up to a pair. Crossfeed intended for Pelchier. And now Demi Kenyazza will leave it for John Leonard. Leonard through, center with speed. Shomolovsky, stick handles in the Ozone, gives off for Leonard, backhander, scores! Up by a score of 5-3, the Barracuda would watch their lead fall out of their grasp. And 9:53, Walker Dewar would cut it down to a one-goal advantage and then, with Stockton's net empty, Matt Phillips would tie it up at 5 5, his 21st of the season and his 50th point of the campaign. Empty net to our right. It's a 5 4 lead for the Barracuda. Face off controlled by the Heat. Shinfall tees up. Blocked shot. Leonard's stick broken too. So he's got no stick. Here's an opportunity. A little east west play by the Heat, and it goes wide now fallimaki leonard's got no stick fallimaki down low it's a six on four and a half now fallimaki from distant puck loose and the whistle blown right before the puck went into the back of the net the whistle certainly was blown before the puck was in a discussion being had by the officials and the goal is good the time of the goal for phillips would come at 18:21. After the Barracuda outshot the Heat 3-0 in overtime, the game would need a shootout to decide a winner. It would take all the way until the 6th round when Jonas Schinval would score and Jake McGrew was denied as the Heat would find a way to pick up the come-from-behind victory. The Barracuda did earn a point though, meaning they had now earned points in all 5 games to start the month of March. The matchup would shift to the Stockton Arena the following night. In the opening period, on its second power play of the first, Jasper, Jesper Weatherby would get things started with his third of the year at 6:47. Could 0-for-1 at this point on the man advantage on their second power play look here in the first. Nick Merkley snakes his way through traffic, scooped up, shot scores! <laughs> Jasper Weatherby opens up the scoring on the power play. But then at 15:50, 50 the opening frame, E2 to Lolo would tie it up with his 10th of the season. In the second period, tied at 1-1, Jake McGrew would carry the puck down the right wing and beat Dustin Wolf to give the Barracuda a 2-1 lead. Good clean hit there by Andabuchi, as Phillips tried to make a cutback move as he entered the offensive zone, and Andabuchi got him in his crosshairs. Back up ice, here come the Barracuda shot, McGrew! He scores! Then, a couple of minutes later, at 11.03, Lane Peterson would make it 3-1 Barracuda. tied now for Ryan Merkley. Now for Nick Merkley. No relation. Steps to the dot. near side. Peterson. Time space. Shoots. He scores! But late in the second period, Emilio Peterson would cut the lead back down to one with his seventh of the year and his second in as many games. With the score now at 3-2 heading into the third, Former Barracuda Ford Alex Skalik would tie it up at 2:49. Then, just 11 seconds later, Luke Philp would give Stockton its first lead. Knyazev, he turns it over dangerously. Soft backhander, they score, and the Heat take. A uh, 4-3 lead, a disastrous turnover by the exter Kenyazov. The Heat would all but put the game away at 10:48 as Byron Fraze would score his 14th of the year. And at 13:55, Emilio Peterson, on a penalty shot, would beat Alexei Melnichuk to give Stockton a 6-3 lead. The Heat would hold on to the victory as the Barracuda would watch their five-game point streak come to an end. On Wednesday, in the first of three straight against the Tucson Roadrunners, With both teams sitting at 39 points and 5 points behind San Diego for the final playoff spot, Evan Weinger would wait just 57 seconds into the first to get things started with his 10th of the year. Ashing had it, lost it, stripped off of his blade by Andabuchi, good play. And the Barracuda are back through center, down the left wing, here's a chance for Weinger, he shoots, he scores! Evan Weinger, just 57 seconds into the opening period, draws first blood. Then, with under a minute to go in the opening frame, Lane Peterson, the former roadrunner forward, would give the Barracuda a two to nothing lead. And Tucson recollect, and Travis Barron will stick handle his way up the wing. Rather, that's Ben McCartney, the rookie forward. Hope takes it back into the also. Quick shot, Peterson, he scores! In the second period, Jake McGrew would push the lead to 3-0 with his 10th of the year, and then McGrew would score again later in the period at 944 for his second of the frame in his 11th of the season. All shot from the right point, save made by Profita. The puck squibs free, now check winds one up for the point. Loose puck, scored! Jake McGrew cleans up the loose change in the crease, and the Barracuda take a 3 to nothing lead. Rush. Left forward, Shomalevskian, left flank. Back to McGrew! He scores! Jake McGrew has another one. And the Barracuda take a 4-0 lead. McGrew's got his second of the period, his 11th of the season. And it is all Barracuda here in the desert. Five different fights would break out in the contest as the two teams combined for 114 penalty minutes. Alex Stalock would pick up the win, making 40 stops in his Barracuda season debut and his first action in a Barracuda sweater since January of 2016. The Barracuda and Roadrunners will continue their three-game set on Friday at the Tucson Convention Center. Puck drop is scheduled for 7 o'clock. When we come back on Cuda Confidential, Barracuda 4 Nick Merkley will join us. This is Cuda Confidential. of the gear and a fist pump it's everything sharks hockey in one place the crowd is on its feet and check out the sharks bench they're into it too it's the sharks audio network a 24 7 streaming audio platform dedicated to sharks hockey and the destination to listen to sharks games you can find the sharks audio network on the sharks plus sap center app presented by western digital and at sjsharks.com slash listen download the app today to listen to sharks hockey plus unique sharks content all day long on the sharks audio network when you hear coordinated care, what do you imagine? Nurses going viral for their dance routine? <laughs> Not here. At Kaiser Permanente, coordinated care has nothing to do with dancing and everything to do with quality and convenience. With Kaiser Permanente, you don't have to worry about getting your records sent from place to place because our electronic medical records seamlessly connect all of your doctors, nurses, and specialists. It's so easy, you might do your happy dance. Kaiser Permanente, tomorrow's healthcare today. Learn more at kp.org thrive. Now, back to the action. Barracuda hockey continues now. We are pleased to be joined by Barracuda forward Nick Merkley. Merks, first of all, thank you for the time and how are things going?
1: Thanks. Things are great. Uh good weather today. It was sitting in the sun, so not not too much to complain about.
0: Man, you're used to this good weather nowadays. You're drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. You spent a handful of years within their organization. You played a lot in Tucson. It feels like Groundhog Day every single day there. The sun is out and it's it's at minimum eighty degrees. And you get to the summer months and you're you're north of uh, north of triple digits. So so you're used to this weather. How have you liked adjusting now though to a new city? This is your first year in San Jose. How has that adjustment been for you?
1: Yeah, it's been good. Uh, Obviously, a little more a little busier than Tucson and and uh, back home, but uh, loving the weather and and um in Campbell here it's really nice uh they got the prune yard there and stuff so um yeah it's it's been a great adjustment and um hasn't been too too uh hard
0: what has the adjustment been like you're through almost the entire season so you're comfortable with your teammates now but it wasn't the first time you had been traded wasn't the first time you had to walk into a new locker room not really knowing any faces so what has that been like going to a new organization meeting your new teammates and kind of building those relationships
1: yeah, I mean it's always interesting to see kind of the team dynamic and stuff and um luckily it, w- it was good here and um a lot of good guys no uh no uh uh bad bad guys <laughs> I guess I would say um but um yeah it, it was good it's uh came in pretty seamlessly and um thought I fit in well with the group and um yeah we have a good locker room in there.
0: You're a Calgary native, you're from southeast Calgary. So that's a hockey hotbed. Canada, obviously, as a whole, they have a huge passion for the sport. So it's not a surprise you got into hockey, but what was life like growing up in Calgary? And and what was your childhood like going through hockey and, and coming up through the ranks?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we kind of, I played pretty much everything to start out, played lacrosse, uh, soccer, kind of all the sports, um, and then kind of picked hockey as my is my go-to, and and just loved it right from the start. We have uh, two private lakes by our house, and um, so played hours and hours on end with uh, my brother and a couple buddies out there. Um, I'd say that's probably where all the skills started to come into play, and um, yeah, and then uh, kind of working working up through the southeast. I was in Lake Bonavista, and then played uh, for the Buffaloes in Midget, and, um, yeah, and then got drafted and stuff into the dub and um so yeah it was it was it was a great great life and pretty lucky to even get a chance to play
0: so do you still spend your off seasons in Calgary it, it, do you enjoy going back home I'm sure in the summer but you spend your off seasons there now as well
1: yeah pretty much the whole whole uh, off seasons in Calgary I like to get out to Kelowna for a couple of weeks or a month as well obviously that's not a bad place to play I've been pretty fortunate so far so um yeah I mean I I love Kelowna too so um hopefully one day I can end up there but right now it's Calgary yeah
0: I've heard nothing but good things about Kelowna I think I'll have to make a trip myself out there at some point what a great place to play your junior hockey we'll get in a little bit into your career in the WHL but I want to go all the way back to the start you mentioned skating on the lakes on the ponds falling in love with the sport there when was the first time you remember actually putting on the skates the first time you laced them up the first time you got on the ice
1: uh on, I honestly don't have that great of a memory but uh I think I was my dad told me I was two so it's, it's I don't even think you have a good memory then so it was, it was uh I'm sure it was special and um I, I wasn't really picking anything else but hockey my dad kind of got me right into it so um
0: yeah I remember growing up playing hockey myself in California. I was the one kid in my school, basically me and my brothers who played hockey. Now, when you grow up in Canada, it'd probably be weird if you didn't play hockey. So the fact that your dad got you into the sport, was that kind of a no-brainer that that happened and it's just something that naturally progresses with most kids in Canada?
1: Yeah, for sure. And then the other aspect of it, you're kind of competing with all your buddies and can talk about all the hockey stuff at school and, and yeah, it's pretty exciting that way. It's nice to have your teammates and your, your uh, schoolmates as well. So um, I think that's pretty cool to, to have and be around.
0: So you mentioned playing a little bit of lacrosse. You played basically all sports until hockey took over on a full-time basis. When was that point that kind of split in the road when you decided if I really want to pursue a hockey career, this is something that I, I want to do all year long.
1: Yeah, there's a, uh, kind of a cutoff around 10 where you start playing spring hockey and you're playing kind of year round with the with uh different teams all the time and certain tournaments so it's around 10 pretty young you got to make the decision but um it, it uh worked out pretty good so uh hopefully i picked the right one
0: so you're from calgary there's obviously a whl team in calgary big in western canada Most kids want to play in that league when you're playing youth hockey. That's a huge step and it's a big step in trying to make the NHL. When did the WHL come onto your radar and when was that something that you wanted to pursue and a league that you wanted to play in?
1: Yeah, I was pretty fortunate that my brother went through the process. He was drafted, uh, high. He was third overall, highly touted and, uh, Things didn't go great for him. So it was kind of like if EFL, I was going to go to the WHL. We were kind of thinking about NCAA as well. So, um, but then Kelowna drafted me and the organization. Obviously, each organization is different in that league. And um, Kelowna was great. And um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it there.
0: So if you had gone the collegiate route, the US college route, would you have probably played in the B.C., the B.C.H.L.?
1: Uh, the A.J., probably. So you would
0: have played in the Four A.J., BC. I guess, because you're from one. Calgary. That makes sense. What were a few schools? I don't know if you ever got that far down the road, but what were a few U.S. schools that you had a little bit on your radar? Did you ever speak to any of those schools?
1: Um, I know Penn State contacted uh, my agent or me, and uh, that was probably the only one. I, I didn't really like – I don't – because I was like high pick in the W.H.L., a lot of – I don't think people think you're going to – go that route. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of top tier and it seems like a lot of fun from what I hear from the guys. So um, yeah, I mean, either way, if you're a good player, you're going to make it. So um, that's kind of how you have to look at it.
0: You were taken in the top 10 of the 2012 WHL Bantam draft ninth overall by Kelowna. Now Kelowna is notoriously known as one of the best programs, one of the best teams in the WHL. They've pumped out NHL talent for years. Once you were selected in the top 10, knowing that you were going to be a high traffic, and then the fact that you landed in Kelowna, which, is, again, is considered one one of the best teams in, in all the WHL, was that a pretty easy decision once you were selected by Kelowna to make that decision, take your talents to the WHL?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we sat on it for, I mean, half the year there, but then I played, I played at 15 in the dub, so kind of that's when you make your decision. You're either... Once you play one game, you're, you're you're signing that contract and you're there for as long as but I mean it worked out great. So and and they were great. So um, yeah, it, you you make it around 15, I'd say.
0: So for people in, in California and in the states who are not familiar with Kelowna, describe it a little bit to us. Again, it's one of the one of the best areas in the WHO, one of the best franchises. Describe the town and why so many NHLers now make that their offseason hub.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh there's it's the valley there's uh, a few lakes around there bunch of hiking stuff uh lots of lots of boating tons of boating it's it's more like a big summer place like um pretty much everyone wants to go there in the summer and hang out and um yeah and obviously also I think it helps now that there is NHL players there so more more and more young guys and other NHL players want to be on that ice time and 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 kind of work out together and stuff. So it's kind of, I think it's attracting more and more people. So, um, yeah, and and just the city itself, uh, all the fans are great there, and and yeah, it's one of the best for sure. I'd say. Describe
0: kind of the fan support there, what the environment is like <laughs> on that game night uh, playing for the Rockets.
1: Yeah, it was great every night. I mean, uh, pretty much packed barn every night. So, um, get pretty fortunate with that as well.
0: So you wore when you were on the Kelowna Rockets. Their color scheme is teal and red. So when you were traded to the Sharks, were you like, I, I know teal. I know what teal will look like on I me. Mean, I think this will fit.
1: Yeah, I I, I remember Murph telling me that he's like, oh, I'm sure you're used to this. So yeah, it worked out pretty good. It's pretty funny that uh, you go back to the roots.
0: So you were drafted top ten in the band of draft. When did the NHL get on your radar? Now, every kid I think you can and every kid growing up playing the sport wants to get to the highest level. They want to play in the NHL. But when did that kind of start becoming a reality for you? When did scouts start lurk, lurking around and when did you realize, you know, maybe I have an opportunity to, to get to the highest level?
1: Yeah, I mean, 16 uh, year old year, I had a pretty good year and and uh, got like as soon as you kind of hit that WHL, I think if you can produce at that level you start thinking like, this is the real deal. I think, well, I think I had that confidence throughout the whole time. And um, it was nice to put up the numbers I did in the 16 year old year. I played with great players as well. That always helps and getting, getting big opportunity when you're that young is hard in that league as well. So um, I was fortunate there. And um, I think just when I got that rookie of the year in the WHL, that's when I really, Um, started to talk like that 17 year old year you talk to scouts you go for dinners with them you you do a bunch of stuff it's kind of crazy actually to think about when you're going through it
0: what was it like to win the rookie of the year your first season uh in the whl you you produced as you mentioned you were able to step right in be a difference maker but what was it like to earn a little bit of hardware after your first season
1: yeah i mean it was one of the best feelings of my life i think obviously you you want to have the team success and you want those trophies the most, but um, to get recognized for that, it was a great feeling and obviously wanted to continue that moving forward. And um, yeah, it was, it, it was nice to get a, at least a little acc- accolade for, for the hard work. We're talking to
0: Nick Merkley, Barracuda forward. You were drafted in the first round by Arizona in 2015, getting drafted in the first round, I'm sure was a huge, a huge thrill for you. Did you have any idea that Arizona was going to draft you? Were they one of the teams that you spoke to, and walk us through draft day. Where were you at? Who were you with when you found out? Were you at the draft? Were you able to go up on a stage? What What was draft day like for you?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty crazy day actually. And and I mean, uh, leading up to the draft uh, at the combine, I talked to I think almost probably thirty teams. So all of them almost. And um, so I didn't really have one I was like kind of leaning towards or had an idea of of for sure in mind. But um, draft day was crazy. I was sitting there sweating the whole time I was um obviously the last pick in the round so um me and my dad are getting nervous my mom and um my agents texted me like oh well you think these guys are going to take you then they wouldn't so it was it was it's uh definitely a fun experience but very stressful as well um obviously in the long run it's uh doesn't mean much and you just kind of get put with a team and then and then you got to prove yourself again so um but the whole day itself was amazing it was in florida too which wasn't bad got on some jet skis before and stuff so yeah it it worked out pretty good and um yeah it was was, uh definitely a fun day
0: jet skis before the draft that sounds pretty (laughs) epic you can't really beat florida as a location either um so so you joined the coyotes organization a couple of years later and you had a, a little bit of adversity during your time. You suffered suffered a knee injury when you remember Tucson. Uh, in fact, it came against the Barracuda, unfortunately. I, I remember the play pretty vividly. You got tied up, I think, with Jake Middleton in the corner. Yeah. kind of an unintentional play, and unfortunately it had uh, pretty major consequences. Walk us through the whole process of dealing with the uh, injury, the adversity that came with that, rehabbing, and, and trying to get back to where you were prior to the injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I did it in junior as well. I did it uh, after my 17-year-old year. year. So after I got drafted, I played about half the season and then tore it then, Uh, tore my ACL up. I was out for six months then. So that was tough, being a young guy like that and all this pressure on you. Um, And then, But I signed throughout that process with AZ, so that was hopeful and kind of got through that one and then, played a couple of years and I was actually playing really well in Arizona and Tucson. Um, I, I was putting up decent numbers in the A and, and got my first NHL game. And then I came down and it happened. And obviously that's uh, to go through it again was the hardest part. Just to, just to feel like you're out of that. You finally are healthy again. And they say after a knee injury or ACL, they, it takes a year to feel fully back at your full like potential gain. So I felt like I was finally feeling good again and then get hit again. But I mean, I think it made me stronger throughout the, throughout the whole process. And um, I, I went to Philadelphia and worked with a guy, a specialist there um, for rehab with Jake Middleton or sorry, Jake, Jacob Chikrin. So um, yeah, it was good. I mean, We kind of pushed each other, and he was going through the similar stuff. So, um, I mean, as the second time, was definitely harder, but um, I think it makes you stronger in the long run. What do you make of
0: Chikorin's career so far? He he has uh, turned out to be quite the player. I know there's potential, as we may date this interview, but potential he could be on the move, and I know he's a big piece uh, that the Coyotes are are trying to get some assets for. But uh, being your friend, being that he went through it, what do you make of
1: his career so far? Yeah, I mean it's definitely nice to see that he's coming off that injury and, and obviously last year he had 20 goals or something like that. So um great to see him doing that well. And um I knew he was working out with him and, and skating with him a ton. He was special. So um yeah, it's awesome to see him thriving up there.
0: When you're dealing with a knee injury and you mentioned that you injured your knee in junior first, you did it again, which has got to just be heartbreaking. Did you find the physical rehab, the harder part of the mental side of it? What was tougher for you?
1: Well, I'd definitely say the mental. I think it's harder to stick with it and um, go every day and do kind of the exact same thing and almost not get any results. But um, obviously it's it's paid off and I've got some good opportunity in certain places. So um it's uh, yeah that's like once I got back up to the NHL that was like the best thing in the world and kind of makes all your time worth it
0: who was your idol as a kid growing up in Calgary was it somebody on the flames or maybe somebody else in the NHL who do you idolize growing up
1: uh Bobby Orr actually my dad kind of got me into him um just kind of humble guy he seemed to do it all um go end to end all the time which isn't bad and um he seemed like he was so humble after he'd scored, he kind of put his head down and seemed almost embarrassed. So um yeah, a guy like that obviously wanna have that same character and and um obviously ability to it. But I don't know if that's you can get to that same level. But um yeah, definitely the character is what what you would look after.
0: Did you ever think about playing D if Bobby Orr was uh, your idol or was it always forward?
1: Uh I was pretty much always forward, always wanted to score. So um, my brother played a little D. He was kind of back and forth, so um, I think my dad got a little um, in on that. So you spoke about
0: your brother a little bit. He played the Western League as well. You mentioned he was a high pick. Uh, didn't end up playing professional hockey. Went and played uh, the Canadian college route. Uh, your brother's name's Jay. I-, I would imagine that you guys had a lot of competitive days and nights whether it was on the pond or on the lake or even in the basement as uh, as it's often taken in the middle of the winter uh, what was it like having an older brother that's really only a couple of years older than you and the competition that uh kind of uplifted both of you guys and i'm sure it made you guys better hockey players and you're able to play with each other always had somebody to play with
1: yeah i mean it was great obviously uh pretty lucky it's only two years apart it would have been nice to be one year apart and play together once in a while but um definitely the the competition was there and um not so much me and him we kind of we'd always get our buddies involved and and go at it with more so our buddies than each other but um yeah obviously seeing him he was probably my biggest idol growing up is just his success and how good he was he was probably the best uh minor hockey league player of of his generation so um yeah he was he was awesome to watch and kind of look after and um yeah I I mean just great role model for me to look up to
0: watching him go to the WHL did that only motivate you more to get to that level
1: yeah I'd say so for sure I mean uh always a dream of mine I'm I probably I was always texting him and seeing how he's doing and if he was loving it and stuff so yeah it was it was exciting for me too to obviously his biggest fan and it was awesome to get to see him out there so
0: well it's been fun watching man. It's it's been nice to not have you on the opposing side of things <laughs> kind of tormented us for a couple of years when you're in Tucson you guys had some really good teams now we've got yourself we've got Lane Peterson on yeah. the team it's like a reunion of the Roadrunners but uh, it's been fun watching you play I love your game I love the way you compete and uh, we wish you nothing but uh, the best of luck down the final stretch and, and as the team tries to get into the playoffs
1: alright thanks a lot Noy